record. Okay, we're now recording. Creaky chair. Check. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi guys and welcome to the latest Black Lodge podcast. There's been a little bit of a break between this one and the last one and I apologize for that. Uh, basically it was taking on a project of trying to find a kind of a, a robust process to transition our normally in-person graduations to online graduations for Trinity College and it became a bit more of a, a challenge than I thought. We're trying to design something that would be able to do graduations for up to a couple of thousand people but that one person would be able to handle but it's done and i'm back and i'm hoping to return to regular podcasting from here on in so thank you for your patience it's been great to see the numbers of people listening to the podcast really rocket up over the last couple of weeks so if you're a new listener welcome i hope you get a lot from this episode i think this is a really interesting one because today we are talking about sound so really Obviously, when we talk about sound, it's what audio you're recording for your presentation. Now, that may be audio that's part of a video. It may be audio only for something like a podcast, or it may be a voiceover you're doing for a slide presentation or over a video or whatever it is. Sound is so, so important. It really is the key aspect. If you were to get, if, if you were to ask me on my priorities over video and how impressive your slide presentations look and sound, sound would be the top one all the time. And that's hard for me to admit because my background is in video and so I should be saying that's the most important. But honestly, you will watch a video with bad image quality but great sound much longer than you will watch a beautiful looking video with terrible hissy sound. So there's a couple of different topics I want to talk about this week under the notion of sound. The kind of four key areas that can really affect the quality of your recording. And the first one we're going to look at will be about the location. So where you record, the kind of setting that's most appropriate. Then there's the microphone that you use. There is how you actually record yourself, how you actually deliver your presentation, your learning. And then lastly, we'll just have a little bit of a look at post-production and what that can do to your sound, what you could be able to do yourself or what you might want to get someone else to do for you. So let's start with location. Believe it or not, it is incredibly important where you record your audio. And I don't just mean the room you're recording in. I actually also mean where in that room. Now, we're not going to have enough time to get into all the nitty gritty details of this, but we do have enough time to at least go over the key things you can check the key things you can take into account when you're choosing where you record your audio. Again, the reason this is important is the more kind of problem solving, objection handling that you do upfront with these things, the way more time and stress and effort it's going to save you in the long run. Because if your recording is good from the outset, you're in a really good position. But actually, no matter how, no matter how professional a person you get involved after the fact, If your audio recording is terrible, there's not a huge amount they can do with it. And quite often, it's actually just cheaper to re-record. Now, of course, I'm aware that in the current climate, most academics do not have the time or the energy to be re-recording their presentations over and over again. So by following these tips, you're going to be able to ensure that you're just going to have to do it the one time. So the first thing to consider is which is the best room in your house for recording. Now you may have a home office set up. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the best place for your audio, 
But of course, it's probably the easiest place for you to record. We have so many different things in our houses that can be challenging from an audio point of view. Of course, if you've got kids, then that's definitely the hardest one to control. Animals as well aren't great. But not just that, we also have appliances, uh, we have certain rooms, higher ceilings, uh, bare wood floors, all these things affect the audio. So when you walk around your house, actually talk out loud a little bit and just listen. Is there an echo coming back? Even in certain rooms, you may find that the echo is louder in some areas than in others. So what helps make a room less echoey? Well, obviously, the larger the room, the more echoey it's likely to be. There's also the factor of what's on the floor, like a room with a carpet. If your room has a carpet, that's really going to help soak up some of the echo. It really just dampens the sound. So a room like that could be great. And um, plenty of furniture as well. The more sparse the room is, the more that sound is going to bounce around off the walls. You'll find that even which way you're facing, if you're facing towards maybe windows or a blank wall with nothing on it, that your voice is going to echo a little bit more than if you're facing towards a bookshelf or something like that. That basically all the sound that's projecting out of your voice is being absorbed by that. And the more it's absorbed, the less that bounce back, the less echo sound you're going to have. If you aren't recording video at the same time, I would say close your curtains too. You'd be amazed the difference it makes. Basically, it's like putting a, a whole wall of carpet up it just soaks up more of that echo. Of course, if you're doing video, that's really going to affect the natural light coming into your room. So unless you have a pretty comprehensive lighting setup, you probably don't want to do that. The next thing you want to do is just sit back and listen to the sounds in your room. Identify anything that could be potentially distracting. Think about the sounds of traffic outside. If there's any noises coming from outside, if your window faces out onto a busy road, then maybe this room isn't the best one to use. Whenever you're recording, always make sure that you have your windows fully closed, not on a crack, not anything. You'd be amazed how much it picks up. And the trick with sound is actually our brains are very good at filtering out audio that's distracting. But of course, microphones don't do that. They absorb everything. So you, it may sound fine to your ear, but it, it'll sound much more obvious when you actually listen back to it. Hums are another big one you're trying to look to avoid. So it can be like if you're near a kitchen um, obviously if anything like a dishwasher or a washing machines on, that's a no go. But even fridges or uh, dimmer switches on lights, anything that lets out a little buzz, if you can avoid it, do. Now, obviously you can't switch off your fridge and freezer, but if it was a dimmer switch or something, maybe that light could be turned off or maybe you could just move yourself further away from that item. You may also notice that your computer, whether it's a laptop or a desktop, can be kind of noisy. The fans basically kick in when the computer's working pretty hard when it's going overdrive. So what you're trying to do is avoid getting your computer or your laptop into that specific state. So what I would say is where you can close every application that isn't needed. And if you're working with a laptop, an interesting thing I've noticed is that if you run your machine off the battery as opposed to plugged into the wall, it's going to run quieter. Um, the reason for that is that when your laptop isn't plugged into the wall, it's aware of that and it knows it doesn't have as much power to work with. So it tends to actually run itself at a kind of a lower setting. Now, of course, that does reduce the speed of your laptop. But for the kind of things we're talking about, that's unlikely to have any kind of a major effect. But because it's running the clock and the CPU at a lower speed, it's 
less likely to overheat, which means it is less likely to need to bring the fans in to record. So it's just something to bear in mind if you have a laptop and if the battery is still functioning, maybe don't plug it into the wall, run it off the battery. Of course, we don't have all the freedom in the world to choose where we record. None of us really ever expected to be working from home for such an extended period of time. So you may just have to work with whatever is the least noisy room you have, as opposed to a great room for recording sound in. If you find yourself unable to choose a different room for whatever reason, don't stress about it, but do try to set yourself up in the least noisy part of the room. So walk around, have a listen. I would always say as well, do test recordings and play it back on headphones so you're really listening to what's there and just see what you think works best, what sounds best. A definite trick is to try and make sure that if you have noise that's unavoidable in your room, that your microphone isn't facing towards it. It sounds obvious, of course, but what it actually means is you might be personally facing towards that sound, like if it's a laptop say if you had a noisy fridge or something like that, that you would actually sit yourself down directly towards the fridge so that your laptop in front of you has a microphone pointing towards you and away from the fridge. These things can really make a bit of a difference. And anything you can do to reduce those sounds to make your voice clearer, cleaner, easier to listen to is worth its weight in gold. So with your location sorted, you've found the best spot for recording. Let's just have a little talk about what your microphone options are. Now, of course, these are dependent on budget, space, room, your level of interest in these kind of things. But what I would say is it looks like we're going to be recording things like this for the foreseeable future, certainly for the rest of this academic year. But I think regardless of when a vaccination comes true and when we start to open up the universities more and more, there's still going to be an element of recording ourselves. It's, it's going to be just be how things are done. So it's worth getting yourself set up with a situation where you're comfortable and you're happy with the quality. Plus what we want to do is ensure that all the work and recordings you're doing this year create materials, create learnings that you can reuse in future years. If you just record with the most basic model now, it will do for now. We are doing the best we can in a tough situation. But the more forward thinking people are using this moment, this opportunity to actually create content that's going to stand the test of time. And a good microphone is what's going to guarantee you that. So what are your microphone options? Well, the most obvious one is the one that's probably built into your laptop, built into a lot of PC screens nowadays as well, um, or, or a webcam if you have it sitting on top of your desktop. And it's just the webcam microphone. and the. When I hear people talking about how good is a webcam microphone, it's always a little bit of a struggle because, well, it's like how good is your car? Not all webcams were built the same. So really depending on how new your machine is, the quality of it, how expensive it is, will probably have a fairly big effect on how good the audio recording is. That said, the truth is most webcam microphones are never going to be great. They're functional and for something like a Zoom call or something, they can be just fine. But when it comes to higher level professional recordings, they, they leave a lot to be desired. One reason why these webcams are fine when you're doing something like a Zoom call is because there's a, usually a video component to those calls as well. And so because we have the person to look at as well as listen to, it's somewhat distracting from that. But if you were to just listen to the audio, it wouldn't sound quite as good as you would expect. 
one of the things webcam microphones don't tend to do great, which, which all microphones struggle with, but, but webcam ones particularly, um, if you're not at the optimal distance from that microphone, it will artificially raise the volume of its microphone to try and find you. And what it does there is, yes, it'll capture your voice a little bit more, but it's going to bring up all the noise in the room as well. And that's where you get that really irritating hiss, the shh in the background. And it's very distracting. It's not always easy to fix in post-production either. So webcam microphones are probably the weakest option when it comes to those sort of challenges. The option I think most people are probably working with at the moment is a decent headset microphone. Now again, headsets come from all price ranges from 20 or 30 euro up to a thousand euro. So you can't really say headsets are great, but what you could do is look into which ones might suit you. Now, I don't think you need to spend hundreds on a headset microphone, but what you're looking for when you're reading reviews is when people talk about the actual quality of the microphone itself. Yes, of course, the headphone side is important so you can listen to things, but the microphone is the most important. What's nice about a headset is, depending on its model, of course, usually when you put it on, your microphone is going to be at the same distance from your mouth every time you put it on, every way that you record. And what this does is it guarantees you a consistent sound. Now, it may not be the greatest sound, but consistent sound is actually fantastic because it means if you ever do unfortunately have to go back and pick up an, an extra detail, something that wasn't recorded right, it's going to sound more similar. Even by having the microphone an extra inch or two from your mouth, you'd be amazed the difference it would make to the quality. Some headsets do have microphones that are more flexible and bendy. You can kind of pull them closer to your mouth or further away. With them, it's a little bit more challenging because you can't really be sure where you had the microphone. But if you're using something like that, do try to remember more or less where you put the microphone. And if you get a good recording from it that you're happy, try and stick with that each time. And your other option is to use something like a professional microphone. Now, of course, the word professional, again, is a, an undefined thing, but I suppose something that costs a little bit of money. Like the microphone I'm using here is my beloved Elgato Wave 3. Um, this is a USB microphone, so it just plugs straight into my computer and the computer automatically recognizes it, whether I'm recording in Panopto, whether it's Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever I'm working in, it picks it up instantly. So there's not that it brings any more complications that way, but it really has a much better sound. So why don't we do just a little comparison to illustrate the differences between the microphone I'm using here, the Elgato Wave 3, which costs about €175 Euro at the moment on Amazon.co.uk, I think. But, you know, it, it fluctuates between 160 and, and up to potentially €200. Euro. So this is what I sound like when I'm talking on this USB professional, what I would call professional microphone. And this is what it sounds like when I'm talking on my Logitech webcam. Now, the webcam I'm using here is a couple of years old, so the microphones may have improved in these. But you should be able to really notice the difference in the quality of my voice. So if I go back to the Elgato Wave 3, you can hear it. You can really feel the quality of my voice. And if I go back to the webcam, this is the difference. So you may think that, you know what, I can live with that difference. Obviously, it's cheaper and easier to do. But if you're asking someone to listen to you for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long your presentation, your learning is, that can really, really make a difference.
it's kind of hard to explain what that difference is. And that's why I did the comparison there, just so you can actually just get a feel for what that difference is. I'm sitting in the exact same spot. I haven't moved. And yet, and yet the perception of me, your ability to connect and listen to what I'm saying was greatly enhanced by having the better microphone. Another thing I love about my Elgato microphone here is that it really reduces the background noise. It does a really good job at picking up my voice and trying to avoid things that are uh, in any other direction around it. This can be very useful in environments you can't fully control because hearing some background noise, even if it's a bit of traffic outside, that's not actually the end of the world provided it's at a very different volume than your voice, that your voice is still distinct over it. And more professional microphones are just simply going to do a better job at that. For anyone who follows the Black Lodge YouTube channel, I'm going to put up a good detailed video actually going through the Elgato Wave 3, what it does or doesn't do. So I won't get too far into it here. But one other thing that's very nice about the professional microphone is, again, it raises and lowers its sensitivity automatically for me based on how close I am to the microphone or how quiet I'm being to make sure that it's recording it at its most optimum levels. Only you can decide what the most appropriate microphone for you or the most affordable microphone for you is. But always bear in mind that bad recordings create unnecessary barriers to people being able to enjoy and focus on the quality of your content, the quality of your learning. And at the end of the day, whatever microphone you are using to record yourself, whatever software you're using to capture yourself, make sure you're recording yourself at a good audio level. It's too much to get into here, but to try and explain it, basically, when you record audio, there is a a space, a spectrum for how much sound your microphone, your computer is going to capture. And if you're speaking quite low, then it's only going to pick up the audio in one particular aspect of that band. And that's the same place that's going to record all the background noise and everything else. So your voice is going to get muddied in with all those other sounds as opposed to sounding nice and distinct over it. So before you record all the time, check that you should have some kind of an audio meter on your screen that gives you an indication of how it's going. Preferably, you'd like to see it in a kind of a green color. Um, yellow and red. Yellow is kind of okay. It usually means it's a little bit loud and red is a bit dangerous because you could get distorted. But most important thing is you're getting a nice, good sound and you should see your voice bouncing up and down at healthy spaces. If you can see the decibel level it's recording at, it's recommended that your voice be somewhere between minus six and minus 12 decibels. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Usually there is a color code there. So just look for that green level. And if it's too low, see if there's a setting there to either turn up the volume of your microphone or get that microphone closer to your mouth. So you found your spot and you've gotten the microphone that you're happy to work with. What's left? Well, the the, the main thing is left actually for you to deliver your message. Um, And there's a few things that you can do to make sure you do that well. The first one is something that you may or may not have noticed on podcasts or some people's recordings or webinars, whatever it is, and that is the dreaded sound of sticky mouth. Uh, That's something like this, the those kind of tacky, sticky sounds that we can get from people's mouths. And quite often that is caused by being dehydrated. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to avoid having too much coffee before any time when you're going to record. It's a diuretic. 
it's just going to make your mouth drier, it's going to make your saliva stickier, and it just doesn't sound nice. And I speak about this from experience because I love my coffee, but there has been times where in post-production I have spent so long trying to edit out those sticky sounds. It's just best to avoid if you can. Ironically enough, if you are too hydrated, you can also get a bit too much sticky mouth sounds, but really more often than not, the problem is caused by dehydration. And unfortunately, it's not really a case of that you can just be as dehydrated as you want and then just go back a pint of water before you record and everything's going to be fine. It's really something you've got to be kind of working up to. Like professional voiceover recorders, if they knew they were doing a recording early in the morning, would actually be starting to hydrate themselves the night before to make sure that their mouth will be wet enough for when they do the recording. It's good to have water beside you when you're doing recordings as well. It's kind of recommended, again, voiceover actors I've talked to recommend that you would take a sip of water, a sip, not any major mouthfuls, kind of every 10 to 15 lines you're recording. Now that's for a very professional level, but it's still a good kind of baseline to understand that maybe even every couple of paragraphs or if you're doing a slideshow presentation every couple of slides, just take a little sip of water, just wet your mouth a little bit. The next thing to bear in mind, and this is probably the, the most important one I would think, it's, it's your distance to the microphone. Um, as I mentioned earlier, with the webcam microphones, if you're too far away, it artificially bumps up the noise to try and capture you better. But even with the most professional microphones, the distance has a big effect on the recording. Now, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you can see that I have the microphone actually reasonably close to my mouth at the moment. I tend to have it closer for podcasts than I would for video, just for obvious reasons that it's actually okay to see the microphone in these videos, less so if you're doing a normal video. But what I want you to kind of understand is that even with this microphone that does a really, really good job, if I'm, and for people who aren't watching, I'm probably about six to seven inches away from the microphone at the moment. If I just move myself back, you can see that even by moving my head backwards, and I only just moved my, my chair back a tiny bit, how much more roomy and echoey the sound sounds. So this is me in the exact same room. This is me not much further back. I'd say I'm about 12 inches, maybe 14, 15 inches away from the microphone now. But already you're hearing so much more of the room. And if I just lean back in, then you should really notice that disappearing again. And basically it's just because you're in the sweet spot. I'm talking towards the microphone so it can actually pick up the full quality of my voice. Now, sometimes you, you, you're not in full control of these things, but it's worth noting that even if you spent a fortune on a microphone, these key principles are something that have to be used all the time. And of course, the closer you speak to the microphone, like if I lean in right here, you should get more of a, a sort of a radio voice. It's just going to be a bit bassier, a bit nicer. And, and like, I'm a big fan of this kind of sound, especially if you're just doing voiceover for things. But usually it's a bit of a balance of two and you're going to need to sit back a little bit. So I think this is good enough. So anytime you're recording on anything, try and make sure you're not too far from a microphone. Obviously with a laptop, it's a little bit harder because you, if you're going to be on screen, particularly for a video, you don't want to be too crazy close up, but do make sure that you have your chair tucked in at the desk and try maybe boost the laptop up on a couple of books. Try and make sure it's at eye level. From a recording point of view, this makes sense as well, but the microphone, you want it facing towards where your mouth is. In a, in a perfect situation, that microphone should be looking at your mouth or even actually just below it, kind of towards your, your Adam's apple, your throat, because that's really where a lot of the sound comes from. 
So what you're looking for is the Goldilocks zone, not too close, not too far, just right. Now, the only way to be sure of that is to test these things yourself, record it for a couple of seconds, listen back, try yourself a bit closer or a bit further, play it back again, listen to both of them, and then decide for yourself which sounds best. And of course, which one works best for you. The next thing you want to try and avoid is picking up too much of your breath. Now, there's two reasons why we record a lot of our breaths when we're doing audio recordings. One is you're either talking too directly into the microphone. And so if it's a a cheaper microphone, particularly without a filter, like the one I have here has a pop filter on it that actually catches some of my breath and kind of breaks it up before it hits the microphone. But you know it yourself, you've you've heard of where it's like a (sighs) on a microphone. It just, it doesn't sound great. The best way to avoid that is to make sure that the microphone, especially if it's closer to your mouth, like with a headset or something like I'm using here, is that it's a little off, that it's not actually straight in front of your mouth, that you're talking and your breath is going straight out. The microphone's maybe just a little bit below that or out to the side. So you're not speaking directly, directly into it. And another reason why our breaths tend to show up a lot in audio recordings and video is because we're nervous. And when you're stressed or you're trying to hurry too much, you tend to get out of breath. And you know it yourself when you're listening to someone when in between each sentence you get a big (gasps) and then they launch into the next one. It's just, it's not the end of the world, but it doesn't sound great. It doesn't inspire confidence that you are in control of the material that you're talking about. So the more calm you are, the more you take your time, the more you control your breath, the better you're going to sound and the better the impression you're going to make. Like with breaths, just try and make sure that you're not blowing onto the microphone either. Even uh, when it's something I've noticed again on headsets is maybe people are are exhaling through their nose, but a (sighs) is coming out and it just picks it up in between each sentence. It's just distracting. So if you can avoid it, do. As I mentioned, I've got a little pop filter here. This is something that you can get for standalone microphones. Uh, I don't think you can get them for webcams as such. All it does is it kind of breaks down the plosive. So, you know, when you hear like your your P sounds or anything, they can hit the microphone and be quite harsh. So pop filters are things that allow you to disperse that to soften it. If you're interested in getting a better microphone, it's usually worth investing in a pop filter. They, They range between 10 and 30 euro. It's not that expensive. Another thing you can do to make your life easier is to try and make sure that you complete, you fully complete a recording in one sitting. You would be amazed that even the difference between recording in the morning or the afternoon, your voice changes. Even on an hourly basis, your voice changes. So if you take a break and come back, it's not going to sound the same as before. Now, maybe if that's a different slide or a different part of a presentation, that will be fine and no one will notice. But if you're picking up in the middle of a slide, or if you're re-recording a small piece that you wanted to change, that's going to be much more obvious. And you're just creating headaches for yourself because it takes effort to fix these things after the fact. So where possible, record everything in one continuous go. And when you make a mistake, if you can at all possible, save yourself the effort of having to do overly unnecessary audio editing or video editing. Just correct yourself like you would in a classroom environment. Just say, actually, what I meant to say was this, and then carry on. That's absolutely acceptable. It's human nature. It's normal. No one will think twice about it. You might be embarrassed you made the mistake. No one else will care. And if for some reason you cannot live with the mistake, 
and you need to do a correction, record the point you were just making completely. So don't just jump back halfway into a sentence and repeat something. Go back to either the beginning of a paragraph, but certainly the beginning of a point so that you have the whole piece re-recorded. It is infinitely easier to edit out or to replace a point or a paragraph than it is to splice two sentences together. And I speak that as someone who has had to try and splice maybe even four or five pieces together to make one sentence. It just rarely sounds the same. You say things at a different pace and our ears pick up on that. So you've got your location, you've got a decent microphone, you've put the effort into getting your recording correct. What are your options in post-production? And by post-production, I just mean kind of effects or improvements or tweaks that you can make after the fact, after the recording is done. Now, there are two ways of looking at post-production. It can either be something that you yourself could do, that's depending whether you want to buy some software or for with free software, you can do a limited amount or you can get a professional like myself to work on your audio. One of the nice things about post-production on audio is that if you've recorded it all in one sitting, all in the same location, then the effects you're going to have to put on the audio, you'll only have to do it once. So whether your recording is two or three minutes or two or three hours, the effects will cover it all. So it takes me nearly as long to do some post-production on a short clip as it does on a longer one. Now, if you've recorded your audio well, odds are you won't need any post-production. And hopefully, even if you choose to go down that route, it will be something that just enhances. And that is what post-production is supposed to do. It's not really designed to fix problems, though, of course, we all have to deal with those problems and we do fix problems all the time. But preferably, it should be just boosting, enhancing, just making it that little bit sweeter. One of the main things we do with post-production is just basic noise reduction, just trying to remove any sounds that were in the room, any hums, hisses, uh, you know, background noise that you don't want to be there. And whether you're doing it yourself or you're giving it over to professional, one of the easiest things you can do to make that as simple as possible is record a couple of seconds of silence whenever you do a recording. And I mean, whenever you do a recording. Now, when you record those couples of seconds, whether it's at the beginning, middle or an end, doesn't really matter. But I would say get in the habit of doing it at the beginning. At the beginning of a session, you are the most aware of what you're doing and it's unlikely in the middle you're going to think, hey, do you know what? It'd be a good time to stop and record some silence. And I guarantee you that by the end of it, odds are you will just want to turn that device off and walk away and take a break. And it's very easy to forget these things. So record your couple of seconds of silence at the beginning. And now let me tell you why. There are two types of noise reduction you'll find in audio software. One is just blanket noise reduction. You hit it and basically it just cuts out a chunk of the sound of your audio and it kind of guesses that that's probably where the noise is, but it's pretty brute force. So what it does is it's also taking out some of the good sound of your voice. But if you do those couple of seconds at the beginning with, without anyone talking, and I mean you need to be still, no, no breathing, no clicking your fingers, no tapping through papers, proper silence, then any decent bit of audio software will be able to take those couple of seconds, you'll just highlight it, and you can tell it, hey, see these few seconds? This is the background noise I'm looking to remove. And if it has a nice clean chunk, even a second will do, but it's worth having a couple of seconds, the longer the better. It means that the, the software's algorithm is going to be able to efficiently figure out exactly what it needs to remove from your audio file. So instead of brute force taking out a chunk of stuff, 
it is more like a pinpoint targeted thing where it will just take out that small bit you've highlighted and it will leave in the rest of the quality of your voice. It's a much better version of noise reduction. You've probably heard from cheaper headsets that have like noise reduction built in how, yes, it does remove all the sound in the background, but it does tend to make you sound a little bit robotic. And I have nothing against robots, but you know, Robocop is not necessarily what you want people to be thinking about when they're listening to the information that you're sharing. The only thing you want them to be thinking about is the information you're saying, not how strange your voice sounds. And speaking of headsets like that, that have things like noise cancelling built in and some software as well will automatically do these things. I would say if at all possible, when you're recording it, try and have every setting, like every noise reduction, any kind of cancelling things, automatic voice enhancements, all turned off. You want that audio as raw as possible. Now, of course, that means when you first listen back to it, it won't sound quite as nice. But what that raw audio means is that you can then after the fact decide what kind of effects you want, how much is good, how much is too much, how much is too little. But if you record it with the effects already turned on, it's baked into your recording. There's no way to take them back off. And that's been a major challenge I've seen over these first couple of months with people recording at home. They send me an audio recording and because there was such a high level of noise reduction put in there, that there's very little information in the file that I can do anything with. And if your recording doesn't have that information, I can't bring it back. It's just gone forever. But if you gave me the raw file, even if it sounded a lot worse, there's probably much more I could do with it. And there's much more that you yourself could do with it. So when you can, try and record your voice as raw as possible and then add effects after the fact because you can undo them, you can change them, you can try something. If it doesn't work, you can go back it will give you much more flexibility. It's the safest way forward. If it's something that you can't do yourself or you don't want to, you just simply don't have the time, then don't be afraid to look up professionals like me who can help you out. There is obviously an infinite, like how long is a piece of string and how long would it take to, to fix some audio? For the type of work we're doing, you don't need it to be perfect. It doesn't have to be Hollywood production values. It's quite basic, the things you would need to be done. So you should be able to get a reasonable price out there if that's the way you go. But what I'm hoping with this podcast is that if you can follow these basic steps we've talked about, you're not going to need anyone else to do it. And hopefully you wouldn't even need to do any post-production at all. For example, actually, like, let me just show you, this is the audio as it is in the podcast, obviously, and this is how it sounds. But now let's switch back to how this audio originally sounded when I recorded it with no post-production, no effects, nothing else done to it. So you can just see that the difference isn't that that far. You should hopefully hear a bit of a difference with the effects I've added on afterwards, but it shouldn't be that dramatic. And that's what you're working for, because if the recording is good at the beginning, you're going to spend way less time after the fact fixing it. And trust me, I've spent time where I've spent three or four times as long trying to fix something as I did recording it. It's not a good place to be, especially when you're strapped for time. And just if you are using software yourself, particularly if it's free or, or relatively cheap software, just don't feel the need to let those sound effects or, or filters or noise reductions that they have available to you don't feel the need to include them at full capacity at 100%. Don't let your voice become too robotic. Usually when you first turn these things on, you're like, oh, wow, great. That's made a big difference. But a big difference isn't always better. So what I'd say is if the effect has a slider from 100% to zero, 
is you can start at 100% or wherever it automatically puts it, but then just keep pulling it back and back and back. And it's when you get to the point where the noise or whatever the thing is, is bothering you, okay, then bring it back up a little bit. But the more those effects are on, the more it's affecting your voice. So always listen back and, and always listen to it without the effect and with it and just decide for yourself which feels better. Not about which technically is quieter or louder or whatever that is, which feels better to you. Trust your gut. It is the best guide when it comes to doing these things. Okay, so they're really the main points I wanted to go over. So let's just do a little summary of what we've been talking about is making sure your room isn't too noisy, that you're in a quieter part of the room. If you're not doing video, close the curtains, rooms with carpet, uh, blankets, uh, rugs, they're going to soak up some of that echo and keep you sounding nice and good. Uh, make sure your windows are closed. If you can get a better microphone, it will pay for itself in the long run. But if you can't, make sure you are close enough to that microphone, especially if it's a cheaper one or a built-in one, so that it doesn't have to work too hard to get a decent recording of you. Try and reduce your caffeine intake before you do recordings. Make sure you are reasonably well hydrated to avoid that sticky mouth sound. Avoid breathing directly on the mic. Again, you should be able to identify these things. Always do a 30-second test wherever you choose your base of operations wherever you set yourself up first and just listen back to what it sounds like. Are you picking up breaths like that? Can you hear sounds in the background? At the time, it feels frustrating to do. Trust me, it's going to save you so much time in the long run. And it means when you're recording, it's not in the back of your head wondering, oh God, I hope this sounds okay. You're going to know that it's going to sound good. And then the most obvious point, but really it's worth saying every time is just take your time and get it right the first time. At the end of the day, sound trumps everything. It is more important than picture. It's more important than fancy slides. The truth is even simple black and white slides with a good delivery and quality sound recording will outperform fancy graphics and noisy audio any day of the week. We will always connect to people better than we connect to any visual stimulus. And when we are learning, even when video is present, sometimes we will be looking at the video. Sometimes you may be looking at a slide or a chart, but we are always listening to the speaker and that's you. So the better the audio recording you give us, the more we can connect with you and you are the person who's sharing that information with us. That's why it's so important. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast. Hopefully normal service has resumed and I will have another one for you next week. As usual, feel free to send your comments through either directly to myself or you can comment on the Facebook page. I hope this was useful. Uh, some of it may sound obvious to people. If there's other things that people want more detail or more clarification on, always feel free to ask. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, guys.